Welcome to the Sam Knows Podcast. I'm Barry Collins. If you thought the speed of your internet connection was solely dependent on the headline speed you were sold by your broadband provider, I'm afraid we're about to shatter some delusions. Your download speed could be into the hundreds of megabits per second, but the performance of your connection can still be dragged down by a problem that's been known about for a decade, buffer bloat. What is buffer bloat, and why does it have the potential to make even simple tasks, such as fetching a website, take ages? These questions, and many more, will be answered by Sam Knows founder and Chief Technology Officer, Sam Crawford, who will join me to discuss why this long-lasting but little-known problem might be affecting the performance of your connection. We'll talk about how Buffer Bloat was discovered, how you can tell if your connection is being hit, and how Sam Knows is helping the industry identify and resolve this knotty issue. So Sam, can you describe what this weird term buffer bloat actually means? Sure. I think probably the best way to describe it is to um, is to think about how it would actually affect a user in a real world situation. So um, uh, imagine a scenario, and you can repeat this um, yourself, where you are uploading a very large file, maybe via Slack or email or something like this, and simultaneously, you fire up a command prompt and you run um, ping google.com uh, whilst the upload is taking place. What you'll see is that your your latency, which is what the ping test measures, um, will skyrocket during the upload measurement. Um, sorry, during the upload, if you are affected by buffer bloat, and frankly, the vast majority of people um, will will see this uh, to some degree. So, in a in a normal Um, On an idle connection where you're not doing an upload, you'd expect your latency to google.com to be probably somewhere in the region of 20 to 30 milliseconds. It could be much lower, it could be higher, but Mm -hmm. it will be stable around that kind of level. Um, During buffer bloat, uh, so during a very large upload, um, you will see your latency skyrocket to probably somewhere... You know, best case, maybe maybe fifty to sixty milliseconds, but much more likely it will be in the hundreds of, of milliseconds. And what that means is that um, basically there will be um, you know, hundreds of milliseconds delay for any single packet to make it out to the internet uh, because it's basically stuck in a big queue behind this um, this upload that's taking place. Okay, and buffer bloat was first talked about about ten years ago. So how long has it been on your radar? Uh, pretty much exactly ten years as well. So we um, uh, we were we were quite closely involved after it was first uh, discovered or isolated. I mean, in hindsight, it seems like a super obvious uh, thing, and everyone everyone says this, but uh, I don't think it was uh, really acknowledged as being as a problem until about ten years ago, when when Jim Gettys famously um, uh, started paying a lot of. Um, Putting a lot of focus on it uh, with some some fairly famous YouTube videos where he compared um, a very similar scenario to the one I just described, and he demonstrated the issue with uh, with browsing the internet whilst um, uh, whilst uh, doing a large upload. Um, so yes, it's been on our radar for ten years now. We were involved with some of the researchers who were looking at it um, uh, back in around 2011 or so, and we developed a measurement for it. Specifically, the measurement we developed was called uh, latency under load. Um, because that's really what um, that's really the symptom of 
buffer bloat, if you like. It's um, your latency will be adversely affected when your connection is under load. And by under load, I mean you're performing a large download or upload um, over your internet connection. So we've been um, running this measurement uh, on some of our with some of our projects um, for about ten years now. Most notably with the FCC in the US with the Measuring Broadband America project. We've been running this latency under load test for ten years and have been publishing the data openly for ten years now as well. So, if if it's been known about for so long and you guys have been working on it for so long, why is this still a problem in twenty twenty one? Why haven't they dealt with it? Good question. The uh, I think it's really primarily down to um, down to marketing. When you think about broadband and how broadband is marketed and sold, um, it's still very very heavily dominated by speed. So, what speed can you get to your postcode? What speed can you get to your zip code? Um, uh, how fast is the fiber connection? Everyone still thinks of it in terms of megabits per second, predominantly in terms of download, but also I think there's been more recognition in recent years that upload is um, is important too. But very few people think about uh, broad marketing of broadband connections in terms of latency. And particularly, they don't think about it in terms of um, uh, latency whilst other applications are taking place. So it's really such a niche and hard to describe issue um, that it just hasn't really received much attention um, outside, of, um, outside of academic research and outside of um, uh, what people who spend their that spend their lives deep down in the guts of networks, frankly. And do you think that'll change, especially now that you know, as we're seeing faster and faster lines coming out there, the sort of differentials between you know 100 meg and 300 meg don't mean that much to a consumer anymore. Do you think they'll find a way to address this issue? But yes, absolutely. Um, as you say, uh, speed alone, or as in a throughput, like um, uh, the megabits per second you can you can download and upload, is not. It reaches a kind of a, a point of diminishing returns, um, and also. Uh, probably more importantly, um, latency starts to become a, a dominating factor. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, if you have poor latency, it can actually inhibit your ability to achieve very high throughputs as well. Um, so, uh, and, and latency is really important for lots of services like like web browsing, gaming, video conferencing, um, voice calling like we're doing right now. Um, and so having a, a low and Probably more importantly, a stable and consistent latency is really, really, really key. Um, and it seems um, there's been recently a resurgence of interest in this topic, um, particularly as more and more application providers are realizing that um, that stability of latency and ultimately buffer bloat is actually um, inhibiting their ability to deliver services to consumers which are perceived to be reliable and fast and so on and so on. So tell me more about the Samnose test for this. How, how precisely does it work? Sure. So our test is, um, uh, like I say, was was developed about ten years ago for this, and we've been running it since since then in um, in a few markets. Um, and it's it's fairly simple to be honest. So we already have our speed test, our download and upload speed test, which operate over multiple parallel TCP connections, um, and we already have a separate um, uh, latency and packet loss measurement, which uh, which runs over UDP. Um, so our um, in our normal mode of running a latency test, um, this is effectively an idle latency test. We don't run any other traffic alongside it, and as you know, we specifically um, check 
for um, uh, cross traffic and don't run our measurements, including our latency measurements when there is cross traffic from uh, from user devices inside the home. So that's mm-hmm. our idle latency measurements. Now with our with our um, uh, test for buffer bloat, which we call our latency under load test, we basically pair these two tests together. So whilst our speed tests run, uh, we do also send um, our latency measurements over UDP. Uh, And we do this at um, 500 millisecond spacing, 500 millisecond intervals. So it means we get a good sample of latency measurements during the speed test. Um, And uh, we record this separately from the idle latency, obviously. And what this gives us is a measurement of latency under downstream load and latency under upstream load independently. Uh, now, it's worth noting that uh, latency under upstream load usually looks considerably worse than latency under downstream load. Mm-hmm. And that's really primarily driven by the fact that most broadband connections around the world are um, asymmetric. So you have a faster, they're provisioned with a faster downstream speed than they are with an upstream speed. So if I haven't got Sam Nose monitoring my connection, how can I see for myself if, if my connection is suffering from this problem? One option would be to do exactly as I described at the start of the interview, uh, and that's uh, a bit fiddly and a bit crude, but that would basically involve starting a large upload to, I don't know, Slack or Dropbox or Box or something similar, um, and then firing the command prompt and running uh, pinggoogle.com, and you can see how badly you're affected. Um, If that sounds like too much trouble, then um, there's one web-based test... um, uh, from Netflix, which is uh, fast.com, which does report some uh, fairly simple um, latency under load measurements. Um, so if you if you start a fast.com test, and I think there's a more more information or a more options button on the screen somewhere, if you click on that, then it will show you a, um, a latency under load metric as well. Um, or alternatively, you can um, you can wait a little bit because we're going to be releasing a new mobile app um, for Android and iOS in the not too distant future, which will incorporate um, uh, latency under load or buffer load measurements as well. So, tell us more about this new test. Uh, it's so it's it's fairly similar to what we have um, right now conceptually. So it still runs a effectively it's still layering a latency measurement on top of a uh, a speed test. Um, the fundamental difference though is that right now we're using um, uh, we're using HTTP 1.1 for our speed test, um, and then we're layering a UDP measurement over the top of it. Um, that's fine. Um, but what we're moving to is using HTTP 2.0 um, for both the um, the speed test component and also uh, the latency measurement. So with HTTP 2, it supports um, the concept of pings actually within the protocol itself. So the, the key, and this is more of a subtle um, low-level point, but um, it's beneficial to actually be using the same protocol um, and the same um, source destination IP and port pair um, for both the um, the capacity component of the measurement and also the the latency component. So we'll be interleaving um, the the speed test and the uh, the latency measurements within a single uh, within a single uh, connection or TCP connection, effectively. Um, so this means that we're actually seeing. Um, Crucially, we're seeing in-band latency um, rather than out-of-band latency. Um, so this, uh, practically, what this means is that if somebody came along and decided to 
perform some kind of optimization in the network specifically for UDP traffic, which is how we currently measure um, uh, latency, mm-hmm. then um, it could hypothetically, yield a, a perceived improvement in latency under load, when in reality, it wouldn't actually um, uh, deliver that to an application's traffic. So by by actually doing both the speed and latency measurements within a single connection over a single protocol, um, then we can ensure that if, um, if somebody does make an optimization in the middle, then they not only improve the latency measurements, but they also improve the application measurements. So it effectively prevents gaming or somebody fiddling with the, um, fiddling with the results. And I guess the good news for consumers is that this problem, which, you know, it's not fair to say it it's only affects uh, internet routers, but they seem to be the main source of the problem, that the router manufacturers are starting to get a grip on this. Uh, yes, on both. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, uh, it's, it's perhaps unfairly been, uh, the finger is unfairly pointed entirely at routers, but um, buffers, and really the buffer bloat term basically means um, you've got too large a buffer for the amount of data that you're, that you're sending out in order um, to allow for uh, real-time traffic to, um, to reach its destination in a timely in a timely manner. Buffers are basically not dynamically sized um, and they don't consider the priority of traffic. Now, buffers mm-hmm. exist in everything. They exist in your, um, they exist in your device. They exist. So, um, you've got multiple dev- uh, buffers in the phone you're using or in the laptop you're using. Um, then obviously your router has buffers. Um, your ISPs equipment has buffers. They're, they're, ev- they're everywhere. Um, but the, I think the, the reason why routers, um, receive a lot of attention is because frankly, um, router software is, um, lags, everything else um it's the router ecosystem is very slow to adopt updates mm-hmm. um so but yes you're right there is uh, there isn't there is a reason to be optimistic um open wrt for example is a uh very well-known open source router project. It supported um, uh, SQM, so smart queue management, which is one of the techniques used to deal with buffer bloat um, for many years now. And um, that is trickling down into um, uh, routers you see on the marketplace uh, nowadays. Uh, We've had very encouraging news in recent weeks that one of the largest um, ISPs um, in the US, or in fact in the world, um, has been deploying SQM across their entire um, customer base, um, which will um, which will help uh, no end. And of course, there are already, and there have been for a number of years, uh, third-party routers and wireless access points that you can you can buy off the shelf, which already include um, options for SQM, so smart key management, um, from the likes of people like uh, Netgear with their higher-end routers and um, Eero devices all support SQM. And there's lots more as well. And just to be clear, SQM differs from the QoS settings that people may have seen in their routers. That 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 it doesn't require you to make decisions. Correct. Yes, QoS is a, a broader class, if you like. Um, but uh, yeah, Q, you can kind of think of QoS as a a poor man's SQM, if you like. <laughs> um, there's uh, you need to do a lot more. You need to make quite a few more settings. It's, QoS is not just a, a box you can uh, you can uncheck and yeah. uh, and everything is uh, everything is good. The intent of SQM is that uh, it could be as simple as checking a box, and um, uh, you will see. Uh, a noticeable improvement in performance if you're affected by buffer bloat. That's it for this episode of the Sam Knows Podcast. 
Head over to samnose.com to read the full article on Buffer Bloat if you haven't already done so. And we'll see you next time.